Jer. Hi, Kyle. Welcome to How to Draw Without Dying, everyone. It's the show for artists who struggle. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Jer. I'm a software engineer who's been drawing comics since he was seven. And I'm Kyle. I'm a writer and artist with a flair for the melancholy. And we're here to talk about making art and enjoying art, especially indie art, in the modern world, which has a number of challenges associated with it. Some might have prevented us from doing our normal recording day. Things like getting sick. I had a cold all last week, which was fun. Uh, occasionally, you may hear me become completely silent like this. And I had a somewhat surprise eye procedure done. That's... Ugh. It made recording difficult. We are recording this live on Twitch uh, at 7 p.m. Monday this time, because we missed last Thursday. It's typically 7 p.m. Pacific time Thursdays, where we hang out with y'all and come and join the conversation while we are recording and, uh, and chime in with your thoughts. So, what are we talking about this week? Well, today's topic is collaboration, uh, which is, I'm not sure if any of our audience have particularly brought up like questions about collaboration in the past, but it's certainly something that I was asked about and you were asked about in our old art group days. Uh, it, it came up a lot, actually. We, we get all sorts of people coming in like, oh, artists looking for a project to work on, writers looking for artists to, to draw stuff. And it's kind of a, a tricky thing to talk about. Yeah. Aside from this this podcast that we are collaborating on, have you had any like real collaborative like project? I would say typically I work alone. I one of the reasons that that comics became my medium is because it's the most robust form of storytelling I can do entirely on my own. I could, you know, there's there's still like novel writing which is a very lab laborious task. And then there's animation, which is very difficult to do, you know, by yourself. Can be done. There are some who do it. The, the, the ideas and the, and the story, the ideas I have and the stories I want to tell, like, I wanted to have both a narrative and a visual aspect to it. And comics just seemed to do everything that I wanted it to do while being something I could, like, own, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, I have had a couple of collaborations. Uh, I think... A lot of non-comic collaborations, I would say that the old comic club, uh, it was something I started, but I definitely pulled in other people to help me run that and, and make that like a, a group thing. And I have since retired from that and has been picked up by, by uh, those, those former collaborators are now the current owners. So that's a collaboration experience. But the one really intense collaborative art project I ever did was the, the HCDE comics uh, that I did with uh, Professor Charlotte Lee at the University of Washington, where Professor Lee is a, uh, a professor of uh, human-centered design and engineering. We had this idea for a project where we taught her uh, students how to use comics to talk about technology and engineering, and did this project for about four years where we had a, a actual uh, class at UW that the two of us taught together, and we taught how to use comics to talk about science. And the idea was to use this as a, uh, a, you know, to teach scientists and engineers these communication tools so they can better connect what they're studying and what they're building with, you know, people outside of academia, which is an issue that happens where reporters kind of sensationalize science. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we did that for about four years. And each year we produced a book uh, of the comics that they made. So that was an incredible experience. Also exhausting. <laughs> Those books are quite sharp. I, I'm really am proud of how they turned out. Uh, in my case, I've I've done a few different things. I've had I've had some hits and some misses. I believe I believe it's on episode somewhere where I talked about the uh, Hemingway project I wanted to do once, which is one of my biggest failures. Where right out of college, I had the names and numbers and emails of a lot of creative writers I'd all I'd, I'd gotten to know over my time, and I'm like, I have this great idea for a multimedia project. There's these, uh, I, had, I had a copy of Hemingway's The Farewell to Arms, and in the back of the book was a list of all of his unused title ideas for the book. I'm like, I'm going to get all of the cool people I know together, and we're all going to do something based on each of the titles. We'll randomize the title and spit them up. I, I, and uh, I, I sent the first email to everyone, and never sent a second. <laughs> so that was an example of collaboration not really working out. I have a couple of those. Actually, in the early, early days of the Comic Club, I was way more gung-ho about collaboration. And this was actually a very formative experience that kind of set me up to to give guidance to people, as, as you mentioned, like who would show up to the Comic Club looking to collaborate. So the idea was, uh, let's all create short comics on a similar theme. 
The title of the project was Crash Blossom, and the idea was a meteor strikes in downtown Seattle, and out of it erupts like a giant flower. Go. Like, that's the start of your story. Like, go with it. So it's kind of just a, a writer's prompt, but for comics, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People at the time were super gung-ho about it. But then we ran into just every logistical issue possible. We were meeting once a week, so that kept us on, on task. Issue one, most people had their own project going on. Mm -hmm. and couldn't really contribute anything. Issue two, what's, what are we doing? What, what's, the, what's the overall goal? And like, I was like, well, let's, let's publish a book together. And then that led to all of the conundrums that come from publishing. Issue three, some people started to get farther ahead than others. Some people started and then dropped off. And then other people arrived to the group for the first time when we were about two months into this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so... We all had like the same starting point, but everyone branched off from like in, in, in different directions and different speeds. Most people didn't complete anything. Myself only completed one page of it because I was working a day job and working on my own projects and trying to take on this new extra project. That was my own stupid idea. And much to a lot of people's chagrin, it kind of just became nothing. This does remind me of what will be one of my key points here and that a lot of the problems that come with doing a collaborative art project or media project are not art or media problems. If people are willing to work together, I, I think the solving the creative side of things is surprisingly easy. The problems that arise are management problems and how to balance a lot of different people who work very differently and have different time to give and different skills. I don't think a lot of people who, who go, well, uh, frankly, a lot of people who go into art don't really expect all of the business skills necessary <laughs> in general. But uh, I, I think that one in particular, the management skills, is, is blindsides a lot of people. Uh, the business skills is definitely a, a, a fault of. It's. I mean, they don't. I like you went to you went to art school, right? Uh, yes, I did, and I do have some business skills. Um, and it's uh, it's kind of like where where my business skills fall apart is at that junction between practical and the artistic. Yeah. There's there's the my emotional connection to what I create and the business necessity and chores that that must be done. When those two overlap, I start to struggle. So, as long as it's, you know, day job for day job's sake, business for business's sake, not too much trouble. But when art and business start to overlap for me, I I get emotions tied up in those chores. And this actually relates to why I don't have a very strong social media presence either, because like that is a lot of very logistical, very like like to to do well on on social media is an incredibly structured and 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 logistical exercise, which is not that hard to do, but tie emotion to it and you get into trouble. In my case, I, I went to college for creative writing and man, I learned how to write a story. Boy, did they not teach me how to do anything after that, though? Yeah, we had like one business class uh, and it was very valuable and taught me a lot of very important things. But but boy, did we we miss that. Yeah. You also mentioned uh, how you got started with comics being that it was the most robust art form you could do on your own. And I sort of came to it in a similar but different direction of I always thought I'd write novels. Like I said, I went to college for creative writing, but I had this idea for a story that I think would be good for a comic. It was of this light. I'm like, it's a weird horror thing. I don't know how to communicate all of the weird ideas I, I have in my head without visuals. So I guess I better make it a comic. And the problem was I didn't really trust anyone else to to draw it. And I was good enough at drawing that like I, I when I got started in OTL, I really didn't think I was you know good enough to make a comic fly. But I figured the only way to you know, get better was to do it. And that ended up being super true. So I just started making it on my own. But since then, I've done a lot more creative or collaborative projects. The The biggest one being anachronistic, my science fiction podcast, uh, which collaboration with a few different people, uh, most notably Fable, who uh, designed the, uh, the, the little intro tune for this podcast and helped uh, edit that had a lot of challenges. And in particular, I believe it was episode 10 of anachronistic is simply the hardest time I've had with any artistic project because of the collaboration. I, I had to balance three different voice actors, including myself, and the script was hard, and the editing was also hard, and I needed to balance everyone's schedules, balance, uh, you know, everyone's different need of direction, 
all while keeping the story the way I wanted to keep it. And it got super delayed because I just uh, didn't expect all of the logistical problems in the way. And yet you completed it and it was fantastic. I, you and I have been friends for a long time and we've been collaborating on this very podcast for uh, a little over a year now. Mm -hmm. And obviously one of the reasons why we do this show is because we talk about this shit nonstop. (laughs) Might as well monetize it. (laughs) Yeah, well. (laughs) <laughs> I think that that's enough. We'll, we'll we'll save that for later. Now, I remember you and I had a really cool conversation just about how our formative collaborations were very different. I think a lot more of my attempts to collaborate with friends did not go well, mm-hmm. and my lessons learned were about everyone's got different priorities. Everyone's got different buy-in to a creative idea. You know, we could all think something's cool, but only one of us really thinks it's cool enough to like do a thing about, right? Mm-hmm. And so I learned an amount of caution uh, in that like, I don't want to like presume that my friends are as hype about this project as I am. I don't want to like, I don't want to expect them to deliver like on, on, a, on a collaborative creative project. So I'm a lot more cautious about even proposing with a friend that's like, hey, do you want to do this this artistic collaboration? Mm-hmm. And the times that I've done it, uh, the time with UW, that was a job, actually. I was paid for that. And uh, and then there's this, which we are taking very seriously, to the point that, like, this this is a, a, a late show, but we're, we're doing a makeup because we want to keep on schedule. Mm-hmm. And so when I do collaborate, it tends to be with someone that I was able to establish, hey, are you, like, I'm serious about this. Are you serious about this? Yes. Okay, let's do this seriously. Really, and I didn't have this advice for when people came into the art group. It's something I've only realized now after a long time is that, like, if you're looking for a collaborator, you're looking for either, you're looking for one or two things. You you are looking for someone who is exactly as excited about it as you are, and that amount is very, or you're looking for an employee. And I think we definitely met a lot of people who came to the art group expecting the former and not willing to find the ladder. And May I tell us? <laughs> yeah, uh, go go for it. We were a an art club. The art club still exists. Just uh, I've I've retired from running it. That we would meet once a week in a bar and have a drink and draw, and and we were pretty pretty welcoming crew. You know, we loved when new people came up. We ca- we loved when different people. There was a, a dude that would show up that would just write music because he just liked us and liked the vibe. Uh, I'm talking like music bars on on a blank piece of paper, and he just fill in notes and just literally write music. Um, so yeah, people are, new people are coming in all the time and we're all very welcoming and very much like, Hey, what do you do? What are you up to? What's going on? It was common that folks would show up and, and be interested in collaborating with someone. This is not new. And, and there have been times when, uh, I, uh, two, two people in particular, I remember specifically, like they met, they said, Oh, Hey, we're on the same vibe. You want to do some stuff together? Yeah, I do. And like, they're friends to this day. Uh, and and have like collaborated like t- together like, like constantly on on new comic books and and you know they just they just hit it off like that right and then uh, often people would come looking for like oh hey I've got this project I'm looking for an artist or I am an artist and I'm looking for a project right and so um, hit or miss it depended on like who was there that day and whether they would find someone on their own vibe a lot of us were all working on our own projects so we were very much like as as a community not really in the market to take something i'm going to tell the story of the the most hopeless case okay. uh three people three people arrive and the the gist of it was that they had just finished a D campaign it was the best campaign that has ever happened in the history of everything and they are eager to turn it into a um, into a comic book. And so they arrived looking for people to help them turn it into a comic uh, And so we, being, you know, pretty pretty versed in like, oh, yeah, okay, oh yeah, yeah, we know what collaborations take. And so uh, here's, here's everything we know about finding a collaborator. Every th- conversation we'd start with would lead to them asking, will you do it? Uh, no, I'm working on my own project. But here's what you need to know about, like, oh, well, uh, will anyone here do it? Okay, so what is it? Uh, you know, to make the comic book. So we treated them with respect the whole time uh, and, and kind of like gave them the rundown that, that we will, you know, that we gave about like what to expect from a person contributing to a creative project and what you need to put in and what, they, you know, what they'll put in and so on. And every conversation kept going back to, no, we just want someone to do it for us. But, but it's the best thing ever, though. And so obviously you must, it's, it, no, it's, this is the best idea ever. And we need someone who's as hype about it as we are, because we're so hype about it. Are any of you, like, writing it or drawing it? No, we just need someone to make it. 
<sighs> we bid them good luck. And they never showed up again because they didn't find what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an extreme case. Mm -hmm. Um like I said, yeah, we definitely had lots of people that that did connect. And, and that's kind of what we want to focus on is what is what what does successful collaboration look like? What does it? And see, that's where I'm uh, getting at with like, first off, you need to understand what you're looking what you know, what, what type of collaboration are you looking for? Because if it's someone who's as excited about it as you are, it's going to be someone you already know. <laughs> I mean, like you mentioned the two that got together, but it sounds like they didn't get together because they were there looking for la collaborators. It sounds like they met, had the same vibe, and came up with stuff to do after that. No, uh, we kind of started on, on something, Kyle, that I would like you to, to, to pick up on, if you don't mind. Uh, I was talking about sort of like my history with collaboration, and, and we had that conversation uh, where you talked about like your real success with collaborating with your friends, mm -hmm. and where I come from it with a, a place of like, I need to be cautious. I don't want to presume of my friends. I don't want to expect them of that anything of them and, and make sure that good boundaries are set before we start on our on our collaboration you've had remarkable success with your friends uh, myself and and fable and and others that that you've worked with what's that been like because that seems cool and different from my experience well for starters i've uh in the case of fable and anachronistic uh well i wouldn't say the pay was good to a certain extent that was a um, uh that, that was more of a employee setup i paid fable for zero time and Sometimes it was favor trading. Other times it was monetary, but not as much as Z deserved. But there was also a factor of Fable being excited for the project because I'd been talking about it with Z for, for years before it finally came along. And them being excited for it did make it a, a lot more of a affordable project to do. And I think I had that sort of like management side of things. I, I, I came into it with a budget and a plan and a few scripts already written and willing to do whatever Fable wasn't able to. I, I wasn't looking for someone to just do it for me. <laughs> and Cassie, also our editor for that project, that was a, uh, another example. That was, uh, at least for season one, was very much more of a, uh, she was excited about the project because again, I'd been like talking to her about it for forever and she was getting started in freelance uh, editing and was looking for more projects. And yeah, uh, she, she helped out a lot in making sure that my scripts were readable. And made sense. And then when it came to voice actors, those were smaller parts. Those were people who were just excited about it. And I mostly pulled my friends for, for people to help out with that. I was uh, one of them. Yeah. Uh, and after the fact, I had a lot more friends being all like, oh, when you do season two, can, can I be a voice on it? So yeah, d going for people who were already excited about it. I, I didn't go in with an entitlement that, oh, hey, you all should be as excited about this as I am. It, it was a thing I was doing and was looking for help. Was anyone you pulled in for that project not a uh, existing friend? Uh, nope. Uh, there was certainly some people who were, I, I'd say, on a further rung of the friend group than others. But yeah, but yeah, I uh, like that went well. But that really only happened after a couple of bad attempts at collaborating <laughs> that didn't work, and I'd learned some lessons, particularly those management lessons. Like yeah. When you're when you're doing a solo art project, enthusiasm can go a really long way. But as soon as you start working with other people, it needs to get a lot more business, a lot and and fast. I like the notion that uh, I like the notion that people need to be at the same level of buy-in. At back at the comic club, that's something I would tell people that were legitimately looking for uh, collaboration partners is. You want someone who's on the same vibe as you. If you are kind of laid back, it's like, ah, well, we'll get to stuff as we get to stuff. You're going to do best with a collaborator who's, oh, yeah, we'll just chill and go with the flow. Uh, if you're gung-ho hyper, hey, I want to do the thing, let's do the thing. You're going to work best with someone who's like, yeah, that sounds like a thing to do. Let's go do that thing. And so wherever you are, wherever you are on that on that energy spectrum, you'll vibe the best with someone else who's on that same energy spectrum. Oh, I was, that's actually something I somewhat disagree with rather than the energy spectrum. I, I, I really think it's more about excitement about the project um, and management skills to be able to balance those different personality types. Because sometimes it takes someone who's really excited and gung-ho and, and energetic to help coax someone who doesn't have that energy but wants to do things to to actually get up and do it. You know, I would say that like that opinion 
it very much comes from where I formed that opinion, which was the comic club where people are coming in and the ones that worked were on just because they were on that same vibe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's I, I think, yeah, my, my statement holds. But for the point of view that I was in at the time that I formed it, mm-hmm. a collab I've sort of been tangentially orbiting, but not actually, uh, you know, I guess I, I've done some work for it is the Fable Doom book, which like that Saberfly and Fable uh, being the two that, you know, primarily did that book. Very, very, very different personality types when it comes to energy. That caused some dis, you know, that caused some dysfunction in the production of the project. But project got done, and I, I think if Saberfly had been left to her own devices, she would not have done it and regretted not doing it. Fables, you know, more gung ho ness, do thingness ensured that the project got done. I open this with that I come at it with a much more cautious approach. Um, my cautious approach warns me of the situation of, well, you don't want to carry someone through the project. Mm-hmm. If someone is not, you know, as as prepared to deliver as the rest of the crew, like, th- there's a reasonable amount of helping that person structure and, and, and contribute, but expecting to carry them to the end of a, of a really cool collaboration, it might be asking too much of the administrative volunteer uh, obviously I, I mean, i'm sorry uh obviously it worked in that case and it, it's just one of those cautionary sort of things that that makes me light up i'm sorry go ahead to a certain extent that that has to deal with the the personality of the administrative volunteer because like an example with you is while while you have administrative skills and you do do it to a certain extent you don't really like doing it as i said especially for art yeah when you think about it in a not art and a job sense there's people like that all the time. There's managers who have to deal with employees who don't actually want to come to work in the morning because who really wants to do that. There's managers who have to deal with people who are like overzealous and cause problems and how overachievy they are. I don't really look at it as an artistic project as anything different. Now, creativity is involved, and I think a good project manager can navigate those things well as long as everyone is invested in being there at all. I mentioned at some point uh, the best college group project I ever had, which uh, it was for a mythology class. And on the first day of class, the the teacher said, okay, your, your final product is going to be to create a mythology, join up in a group and create a mythology for a fictional civilization. And I raised my hand and the teacher's like, yes, Kyle. And I'm like, what if I have seven of those in my drawer right now? And she said, oh, God, you're one of those and assured me that, yes, I would actually have to work in a group to do this. That did actually end up being the best project because at the start, everyone was very honest about what, uh, how interested they were and how much time they were able to commit. Um, and we had one person who handled the management side of things. She was fantastic. Uh, and I sort of handled the creative direction because I, you know, I was that guy. And it actually ended up working really well because everyone communicated and the manager was able to really balance everyone's skills and investment to the greater project. And I think that's fine. Not everyone needs to be, you know, like that type of person. So let's assume that you, you let's say, uh, a writer and an, and an illustrator are working together to make a comic. They've got enough of a, of shared respect for each other that, that the administrative side of it is going like, okay, the, the writer will deliver the writing and the, and the illustrator will deliver the illustrations. Got that all. So the writer was the one who created the project. It is their baby. It is their pet project. It's the thing they've always wanted to make. Like, and so they said, I I cannot draw. I will find myself an illustrator and I will look for an, an illustrator who is a reasonable mix of an, an employee because I'm going to pay them. I have a budget and a, you know, a partner because they have an excitement about the project. And then they go and print it. And the person says, created by me, the writer. I wrote it. It's mine. That's an extreme case. Very rarely have I seen a comic not like bill everyone that contributed to it. And when I do the uh, the the Kickstarters, uh, I, I try and get all the names of the contributors in there. Let's let's drill down a little bit deeper and a more more realistic situation. The writer wants the page to be just so, and the illustrator draws it. And then the writer says, "No, I need this to be like this and that to be like that." And the illustrator takes it back and makes adjustments. And then the writer says, "Okay." 
no, I need it. I need this and I need this and I need this. This tension starts because one creator like wants control or it's their dream, it's their passion. They want to own every detail. When you're when you are two creative people working together, two collaborators, you're both going to like you're both going to be putting parts of yourself into it. Some of the collaborations I've seen fall apart were along these lines where uh, what what I guess we will we will uh, jokingly refer to as creative differences. Have you have you seen this happen uh, with other because uh, I have you seen this happen with other folks? I've seen it get real close. And to an extent, I, I think that is it reminds me a lot of bad commission stories. And that's why, I, you know, my, my earlier statement of like, know what you're looking for. Of like, are you looking for someone to be as equally excited about it? In which case, you're going to need to step back and let them be part of it too and leave their mark on it. Or are you looking for an employee? In which case, have a good contract set out. <laughs> be be aware of what you're asking. Be a good be a good employer. And I would say that like a lot of collaborations are a little of both. Uh, yeah, no. Um, this is my project. I'm hiring you to contribute to my project, but these are my expectations. So I will deliver this, and I need you to deliver that. But we're both working on this project, and so we're both going to contribute something to it. The illustrator will bring their illustrative feel to it. Being an employer and hiring an artist is does not give you blanket like like control powers to 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 micromanage the situation, which unfortunately I have seen happen. You micromanaging everything doesn't exactly mean that the business will run smoothly or well. That's why I I, I really think that when when a team is involved in making something, those those management skills are are really important. I think kind of like a a, a related topic is being able to share the success of the project now part of that i think that and and when i say that i mean that both financially and emotionally because most creative endeavors are you know certainly professional creative endeavors have an amount of like an amount of passion delivered into them from everyone that worked on it but also it was their job for a while and they would like to get paid never mind the industry because they're they're in it to get just get paid but yeah when when we're collaborating how are you going to make sure that when it is successful, everyone gets a piece of that success? What, yeah, and, and as a person who's more on the side of like have a, ha, even when working with friends, have a good contract. Like, yeah, who 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 get who get paid what when? It's it's very good to have all that set up up front. I guess another technically collaboration I'm working on is you know, the the animation gig, the legendary animation gig that is still that someday you'll be able to tell me about. Yeah. That's very much an employee-based thing, and like, don't get me wrong, I find the the project interesting, and I, I like, I, I want to be working with the guy if I wasn't at least a little bit interested in the project. But that's very much a like, oh, you want you you want to replace this animation with another animation? It'll be this much money. But if you say yes, then yes, sir. <laughs> and that's been based on a sort of frank of like, yeah, I'll do that. I'm just gonna charge more. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of something I'd love for you to talk a little bit more of because like you've been working on that project for a while it's gotten extended a couple of times but the problem is like it's not done yet and I know you're kind of on NDA mm -hmm. about it is there much more you can talk about like like how did how did you find that how did they find you uh how did you get the agreement together because that's been a side gig of yours for a while well weirdly enough it's uh is someone i met at my day job at the bank and we'd, we'd had a few conversations they were always a, a real fun person to talk to and you know i knew they made indie movies but at some point i was visiting my old work mainly because i started doing my banking and when got a coffee with a co-worker and that client happened to stop in the same coffee shop and we shot the shit and i'm like oh i'm doing freelance art now and she's like he's like oh shit yeah you, do you do any animation i'm like well i'm I'm trying. <laughs> oh, that's that's fine. Uh, I tried to hire an actual animation studio, and it was five times more than I can afford. <laughs> so I don't mind just doing a completely entry level thing if you can like give me a budget of how much you'd be for the if I was interested. And we just sort of like I, I set my own rates and everything. And yeah, I mean, like I, I'm sure the pay is not much compared to industry work, but I mean the project wouldn't it, 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 it was it was paid at this mount or there was no animation in it at all <laughs> so right and it's been pay that for me has been very lucrative <laughs> and the client's always been really polite uh he did warn me that he's the type to ask for 
like changes over and over and over again and it all be damned it wasn't a case of like i'm sure it's not that bad and here we are like two years later and like uh, can we be done <laughs> can the project get out there but like i said uh they're, they're aware of that that aspect of themselves prepped me for it and again are, are always willing to pay me when when scope scope go up they have never expected free labor from me. In fact, they were very, like, encouraged me to raise my prices at a certain point. So about the best first, like, proper big client I could could have hoped. It's not bad. And one day it'll be out there and I'll be able to show you all the monstrosity I made. Very excited <laughs> about. Uh, especially with all the animation friends I've made, like, in the past year. Like, yeah, I, I kind of want to share this with them as well. This is what they live and breathe. So something big and indie like this is for well in the... Yeah, one of the notes that you mentioned that I don't have much on... Uh, was how to find collaborators. Now, we used to be part of an, an artist collective that was open to the public that people could show up. And people did show up to that looking for collaborators to varying degrees. I mentioned, like, yeah, the, I I tended to see people who were on that same vibe, like, click together. And I think, like, as you kind of observed, the people made friends first and then collaborated on stuff more than, hey, I have a project who will collaborate. And that was definitely, like, the nature of the group because most of us were working on our own large projects. And very few of us that were regulars would uh, would be open for commissions. So as it what I would What I would have recommended... If someone was serious and uh, about finding a collaborator, would be and for this is very specific to that scenario. Would be to come more regularly to the group and 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 use that time to work on their part of of the project, but kind of just become ingratiated into the community a little bit more, and then that makes it a lot easier for the rest of us to like not be on the spot and say, oh no, I don't have time for this. I'm working on this and. To be, you know, oh, we've we've been hanging out for four or five weeks now and be like, you know, I met a person who was talking about like doing a thing that's similar to what you're doing. Maybe they know someone that they've collaborated with. And, you know, you, you draw those longer, thinner lines out into your your, your friends of friends uh, as you get to know the person and get to know the, the, the project so that intense like I need to find someone to collaborate with now. I'm going to go to this community for one night and and try and find someone is like casting your fishing line once as opposed to staying the whole day out on the lake g- developing some patience and and starting to learn like fish patterns <laughs> uh to 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 stick with the metaphor. Yeah, for uh, for going out into the community at least or going out into a community, my very specific advice for that situation is like be try to become a part of that community. Like try and contribute to it a little bit and talk more about what it is that you're doing. And then you'll start getting those threads out that may link you to someone that is a good fit. Yeah, I um some some somewhat harsh advice, I'd say some some tough love is if this is if this is your first project and you're like, okay, my first artistic project ever, I'm I'm writing a comic and I need an artist to do it. I would say shelve that project and r- just do some writing. Get some get a body of work out there, and as you get that body of work out, go out and meet people and you know show them the stuff that you work on. Make friends cross discipline. You know, come to the writing group working on your own thing rather than thinking about how selfishly you can use the the group to benefit you uh and grow and eventually i like you you do have to put some work into to network network is a big one of those big scary words like marketing and what what it essentially is is just making friends in the industry you got to go at that for its own sake rather than with a specific project in mind i think yeah just like again like every everyone i got involved with with anachronistic was people i already knew and and a lot of those friends i'd made by working on my own stuff around them <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of points you made that i really like i like that uh that bit you said about you need to find someone who cares about the project as much as you do or an employee and i think that that was an, an awesome point to to kind of build on and i think it's a lot that's like that's kind of like a spectrum like there's going to be somewhere in between that you land where you're going to be an amount of an employee you're going to pay them or you're and an, an amount of passion uh, don't, but you know, don't, don't exploit the passion that, and, and when you're, and when you're, when you're the person being asked to collaborate, keep an eye out for that. 
keep it out for people that are like going to exploit your your passion and 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 work you a little harder than you possibly deserve because you're in the games industry. Uh- <laughs> Kimmy in chat says one risk I see with hiring in an artist for a long running comic is that I often see artists have to move on to other jobs because having a normal Joe Schmo writer paying you and that's uh, usually isn't a steady, well-paying gig. So the comic style has shifts. To that, I say, like you know, incorporate that into your business model as a as a or like your your not business model your 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 product specifications going in. Like the the way American comics, you know, they they shift their artist from issue to issue. Hire the artist on for a a chunk of time, and you know, be prepared for the art style to shift rather than let it be a surprise if that needs to happen. I'll say, like, as a comic, as an indie comic reader, I don't mind when the art style shifts. In fact, sometimes I've got, like, about that. So I wouldn't say that's the end of the world. Um, and, in fact, sometimes better to, like, end a collab and rethink the project than, like, tough it out for toxicity's sake. Before I wrap up, I do want to say, I, to a certain extent, I feel like I, I created a false dichotomy when it's more of a spectrum between excitement and uh, employee. But you need to... That, that awareness of, of how you're going about this and how you see that relationship is very important. And you need to be self-aware of what you're asking your collaborators for. People frequently underestimate what they're capable of on their own, but there reaches a point where you're kind of plateauing as to what you can do as a creator. So, like, I don't mean to scare people away from collaborating when I talk about, like, all of the management stuff it, it requires, but I, I do want to be realistic because I... I don't think I know a single artist who doesn't have a bad collaboration story in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, as you mentioned, it, it gets into uh, into like um, it's t- tales of t- horror clients. I think I want to wrap up by by like taking down the doom and gloom a little bit. Collaborations can totally work. I've totally seen them work. It's uh, it is possible for two people to like team up and make a a really cool project. Comics are really like that the nexus of the project that you could totally do your own and you can totally do with other people hanging out with animators. Like I watch them like, Oh no, you have to, you're going to have to collaborate. There's, there's a few like solo animators and they are, they work very, very hard. Uh, like most of the best things have like a bunch of people coming together. And so it is totally possible to prepare your project, find people that you want to collaborate with on it and see it to completion. My main stress point is make sure everyone is a part of it. Make sure everyone's got a, uh, you're working with a bunch of creative people. They want to, um, uh, they, they want to check it. They they want to contribute to it. Every, everyone that contributes, every creative person that contributes to a creative project wants to, they're part of it to be in there. And so just make sure that that's possible. Make sure that the writer is able to write the story. The artist is able to create the the, the visual experience. Uh, even the letterers and, and colorers, when we're talking about comics, have the ability to put their their flair in it, their, their contribution. I think that's, to me, that's the spirit. That's about all I had to say. We good? Yeah, I think that's a good end of the topic. Ready to do some Kickstarters? Sure. Today is June 6, 2023. And I am Jer. That's Kyle. Hello. We're going to talk about some comics that are on Kickstarter that need some love and attention. The first one I want to talk about today is My Neighbor Necromancer by uh, Dylan Gilbertson. Oh, I just saw it go up. Fantastic. A curious and upbeat 12-year-old girl stumbles upon a cabin in the woods where she finds a friendly necromancer hiding with an ancient secret. But her presence has revealed his location, and now she must learn to raise the dead herself to prevent the forces of evil from obtaining the ultimate power, the literal hand of death itself. Damn. Oh, there's so much detail in this. Oh, I love the, it's just the leaf and brush and tree and texture everywhere. I would call this colorful but gritty. Wild detailed environments, uh, kind of like a serious cartoon style, kind of like a sort of like Don Bluth film, if that makes any sense to people. And and like uh, a kind of like a, a really earthy tones in the color, really cool characters, lots of skeletons because of the undead. You know how it goes. And I've mentioned this actually a bunch of times. I love it when there's a when when there's a story that's like magical but grounded and so they get that contrast between like what's real and what's the spoopy 
and it requires a really particular level of detail. And we've been seeing a lot of them on the show. That I keep finding ones that have that good contrast, and this is just another one of uh, of that that ilk, where the the detail is like you you feel like it's the real world, but there's skeletons and magic in it, and I love seeing it. We are looking after the lofty goal of 10k US, and we're about a quarter of the way there. Uh, 2600 earned already from 62 backers. Still a full month to go, so long time to get that, but. A- Decent start. I hope that does well. Next up, this is Soma City by Chris Moses and crew. Oh, this is just, this is dripping style. This is just gushing with style. I love it. Soma City is set in a world where where people are anthropomorphized microbes. Here, everyone is either a normal cell, bacteria, virus, fungi, etc. What they are represents who they are and their function in the body that is Soma City. Denton Dialis, D-I-A-L-S, Dialis. Denton Dialis is a bacteria and a contact tracer working for the Soma City police trying to fix the city that, uh, that made him the right way. But he comes to realize the system is just as broken as the city itself. So we're looking at, at Osmosis Jones cop drama. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kyle, I think this is a pull. You you mainly read your 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 comic upbringing is mainly in like the manga and stuff, right? Yeah. You didn't ever read any of the Mask, did you? Uh, not really. Did you, did you ever catch a little bit? Did you ever catch not, the Jim, not enough to have a conversation? Yeah. Did you ever catch the Jim Carrey movie? Just curious. Same deal. I've seen it, but not no, don't didn't, remember didn't enough stick to... with you. It's fine. Um, this the art here really kind of lit me up of of Doug uh, Mankey. Uh, who was one of the artists of the mask, and it's just he had this this way of. Uh, so I, I described that first one as colorful but gritty. I described this as gritty but colorful. Uh, definitely American industry uh, style art and panels. We're not going too crazy on the panels. I think there was one a, a couple of weeks ago I talked about where they like really drilled in on like the little tiny like zoom ins. I think we we got like you know about four panels per page where like big half page action, third page wide action, and then two more panels to ch- kind of like show the the moment of action and the follow up. It kind of kind of like following like keyframe animations, I guess, and and definitely that superhero sort of style of action it feels really grounded despite the fact that these characters are crazy whimsical like this dude is a green person shaped he's definitely like everyone's definitely a microbe <laughs> like their face shape is definitely what is it def- it's like what 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 dis- distinguishes what type of microbe they are but the rest of them is a person with with like uh homo sapien sort of like proportions and i'm gonna say ethnic hairstyles like definitely black hairstyles uh, but but others as well where you kind of like like these the characters have these these crazy hairstyles that are like part of what type of creature they are, but also of like, like very distinct human. Uh, I keep wanting to use the word style and there's nothing. Like that. This is a cool thing. This is fucking cool. How are we doing? It's written by Chris Moses, art by Christian Wolf, color by uh, Ilaria Fella, letters by Reed Hinckley Barnes and edited by Peter Hambosi. Kyle, can you imagine making a comic with a team like that? It'd be a big collaboration for sure. Uh, it'd be so nice to not do it. Anyway, we made our goal. It's to- it was only looking for 1500 and it's made 1647 with 66 packers. Still 70 days, 17 days to go. So this is likely to get printed and you get a copy of it. I think I want to cover it. It looks kind of cool. It's giving me like Quentin Tarantino vibes. Last one up is Juju's World of Play uh, by Justin uh, Casten- Castaneda. I do my best with folks' names if I miss no, and I will. Cr- There's a problem with this one. They didn't give me a story synopsis. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Please always give me. I read your story synopses like verbatim. I need your story synopses. I let this one pass because it's adorable and cool. And so I kind of fudged the story synopsis, which uh, here it goes like this. So the story of Juju's World of Play is based on stuff that Justin's niece said and did. Uh, his niece would, would just, you know, be a child and he would like take notes on it, write it on a, on a, on a notepad on his phone and, and then go off and make comics about it. Juju is a girl who travels with her pet giraffe, 
while carrying her entire toy chest on her back like a backpack. She goes on adventures and uses the toys in her chest like Batman's utility belt. That's all right. That's a pretty good basis, I would say. Let's see. The art is, let's see. The pages look to be kind of black and white comic book style, not comic book, uh, newspaper comic style. And we've got our classic child with animal partner set up here. No, not going to mince words. This is absolutely inspired by Calvin and Hobbes, but definitely makes it an own, its own thing, kind of the same way that Phoebe and her unicorn does. Uh, big webcomics energy as well. Um, just tons of anime. It's like it's ready to be a cartoon show. It's absolutely ready to be animated. Like everything is like every frame's a keyframe. Every frame that I'm seeing here is just the, the character in action doing something. And then you could just hand this and someone would animate it. Just the cutest. And definitely like hard confirmation that the giraffe friend is a stuffed animal. The Calvin and Hobbes mode. We are at, oh, we're looking for 1500. Completely reachable. Uh, we've got 1000 US already with 30 backers. Great, great start. We're still a month ago. I think that's going to make it. That's so cute. It's so cute. That's the comic shop for this week. Kyle, where can people find links to all these? There will be links in the show notes as well as on your website. Which is jer.art. If you click on Jer's crowdfunded comic shop, you'll find links to these and all of the comics I've ever talked about on this show. Ta-da. Also, I read a comic book. Tell me about it. I read Anchor. Where's my notes? Where's my notes? Okay, so Anchor is by uh, Madeline Kel uh, Kelly, uh, Frederica Mans uh, Manson, and Marta Gasparoni. Anchor is about two women who are in love, but one of them has become un... What 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 do they call it in um, Slaughterhouse-Five? Like, un... Unstuck in time. Unstuck in time is exactly what has happened to this poor woman. She's bouncing around through her life, through her, through her timeline, and her partner is, you know, dealing with it as best as she can. She's a doctor and a scientist and trying to figure out what can we do about this? And so the poor woman is like, she, she remembers different parts of things at different times. And sometimes her partner will recognize her when she, you know, she doesn't recognize her partner and, and other times vice versa. Where it's like, oh, I'm totally going to marry you at some point in my life. And the other person's like, what are you doing in my house? It's kind of a tragedy, kind of a, not exactly a horror, but like scary in like the tension way, you know, where it's, it's, it's not s jump scare monsters. It's, it's tension. Like this is a bad situation. How am I going to deal with this sort of, sort of scary? Despite that, uh, it is a one shot and has an absolutely marvelous the um the illust the artwork is full color industry style like western industry style art a lot of the camera angles and the panel layouts is definitely like that that western superhero style and and certainly like the way that the characters the, the this sort of like top down top down dynamic these close ups on the face and the like little tiny rectangle I, this is what i really kind of expect superhero expect from superhero stories and so it uses that intense kind of like action driven paneling to tell this tense love story and there's little tiny bits of action but it's primarily a drama it's a it's a fascinating contrast it's a fascinating like artistic choice for this particular story yeah that's about all i have to say for it it's called anchor it's by um it's by madeline kelly frederica Man manson and marta gasparoni I couldn't really find a good website for it. It's pretty much just a one-off that was available on um, on Kickstarter. It was one of the ones that we featured a while back. and uh, But the one that I could find was uh, Madeline Kelly's Twitter. It seems to be her her, her social media hub. That would be uh, MK, Lesbian, uh, MK Lesbian Lit uh, at Twitter. Uh, you'll find uh, Madeline Kelly's uh, Twitter and, and see a lot of her other projects. Or you could kind of, you could uh, track down the uh, the website the Kickstarter website for it, which will probably point you to all of the other creeps. That's what I read this week. It was good. Nice. Hey, we went to an art show. Oh yeah, we did. Is that what that was? Yes, it was. We went to the uh, uh, Lucio Lucio at Canvas is what the sh what the show was called. It was an exhibit of light based art installations with a uh, you know with a dance party. Um. That wasn't a good show. 
was. It existed. Yeah, we went with a friend of ours, and um, uh, we went with a friend of ours, and we had a time. Mm-hmm. It was definitely one of the art shows that I've ever been to. I didn't feel the need to actively leave for most of it. Yeah, that I mean, it wasn't uncomfortable. So let's let's talk about let's talk about. I'm an art nerd. Let's be let's be complete. About it. And I'm a huge gallery nerd. I love going to galleries and and talking about. I was left wanting. As far as the art was concerned, the art was very pretty. It's very cool, little like lit up, like l- interactive or animated light installation projects. Right? They were all very pretty, and they were all technically interesting, as in like some some invention and some and some like they're sculptures, right? So, uh, and probably have like at least a little bit of Arduino uh, control behind them to get the lights to do different things, but. Apart from being very pretty and very technically interesting, I couldn't talk about any of them. Like, how many, how many, I liked the fish. The fish was very pretty. There was uh, certainly, I'd say, single digits, but high single digits. So eight or nine installations. Yeah, eight or nine sounds about right. Uh, There was a cool room that you could sit in and it had pretty light patterns all around you. It like projected on the walls. That was a lot of, um... There was a fish that had like light patterns projected onto the fish. I liked that. There's kind of like the 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 iPad setup that you could draw on and and it would light up on the walls and and melt away. That's kind of neat to be able to I like I like art that you can you can poke at. That's kind of I remember something with squares and had lit up squares. Mm-hmm. Are you are you feeling the excitement from me? It it was it was a thing it was a thing that we went to. I mean, I'll be honest, I think Part of what can summarize what the issue was, was that it was kind of hard to tell what was and what wasn't an art installation. Like what was just flashing lights that were going for the sort of nightclub aesthetic they were going for. The only thing that really could clue you in that this was art and not just something pretty, of which I do believe there is a difference, um, was some rooms had a plaque with an artist's name on it with no other information. And... That's kind of where I was like at a loss because what when I go to a gallery, when I see a piece of art on the wall, my goal is to talk about it. I want to think something, feel something, have a conversation about what it what what is this art? What does it mean? What is it about? What was the artist doing? You know, and I'm pretty good at that actually. Kyle can vouch for me. <laughs> it's unfortunate when I see a work of art and I just don't have enough information to form a thought about it. And that's kind of what I felt like. And, and like, I feel like that didn't necessarily need to be the case. I feel like some more information about what are these projects, where did they come from, what were the artists doing, and anything to tell me a story about them would have helped immensely. Yeah, I definitely, I actually don't think the problem was with the art installations themselves, purely about the presentation. Like, one of those little plaques with, like, a paragraph of just whatever the artist wanted to say about it would have gone a long, a long way. But there wasn't any of that. So, I don't know for sure, but I believe that these were created by the the Electric Sky uh, crew, which is a troupe of artists that I've hung out with in the past who go out into the woods and kind of, like, collaboratively make art installations together. And those pieces definitely look like I, the kind of art that that crew makes. Guess what? I don't know. They didn't tell me. You know, they didn't say, oh, yeah, these were made by the, the collaborative group to go out into the woods and make this thing and do the hackathon. You know, like that would have been nice. To, to yeah. th- Okay, now I've got a thread that ties all these pieces together, right? And then, and then like, you know, a... a, a a sentence from the artist about like, yeah, this one is about whatever, or, you know, or for the artists to have been invited to the event, that would have been the dopest. Did we know for sure they weren't there? I don't know for sure that they weren't there, but I didn't know if they were there or not. And again, I blame the event. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because my my thought is that they were there somewhere, but I would have had no real way to know for sure. Like there was, there was a guy by the iPad drawing installation that seemed to be there in more of a 
I know why I'm here capacity than everyone else. I would agree. That was the only person that I met that night that, well, was the only person that I met that night, but also it was the only (laughs) person I met that night that felt like they were part of something. Yeah, uh, there just wasn't a lot to go off of. And, you know, I I, I do know a couple of pretentious people would say, oh, the piece should speak for itself, but that's not... Okay, no, no, you, okay, you don't know, because, like, no, I am one of those people. I mean, are you, though? <laughs> no, listen. Okay. If, if asked to, I would fucking fake it for as long as I needed to. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if I wanted to be that asshole, I absolutely have the capacity within me to just, like, take the piece and start talking bullshit art words about it until I feel I am done. Right. So it's not so much that I am that person, but that the capacity for that is within me. And so it was very interesting to be given so little to seed that. So it's like very, very little starting information. It's like, uh, okay, what I'm saying is if if I were interested in engaging with other pretentious, pompous art assholes, um, I would start making shit up because there's just not enough already there to build on other than the fact that this piece is very pretty and and te- technically interesting. So yes, the piece could speak for itself, but this is something I've said before, which is that like the difference between like modern art or abstract art that I like and modern slash abstract art that I can't stand is can I talk about it? Can if if I'm if I'm looking at it, is there enough there for me to talk about? To have a conversation with another person about it. We had a talk a while back about Piet Mondrain, who I love. He's the man that draws squares. That's his thing. If you've seen modern art of of like primary colors squares, that's probably Piet Mondrain. I hope I'm getting his name right. I'm pretty sure I'm. Getting... What had happened at that time is like one of they discovered one of his pieces was was hanging upside down. And I and I delighted in this fact. <laughs> um, but Piet Mondrain, despite like on on one hand, I could say he's just the guy that draws the primary color squares. On the other hand, like I could have a whole big conversation, and I already did on this show about like like why I think he is a meaningful artist that did some interesting stuff and contributed to the art world and and visual. Yes, the piece could just speak for itself. It didn't. And that's kind of a bummer because I think I think they were very pretty and technical. Yeah, I I I'm definitely someone that like I like to have information about creators' process or thoughts, the history that was going around at the time. I I would like one prep piece of information besides just uh, like even if it's just like a, a brief biography about the artist, you know, like I'm struggling to say exactly that. Because, like, I don't need it to be a specific thing. Sometimes the title and the piece is enough. Sometimes the piece is enough, you know? Sometimes it does help for me to know a little bit of art history about the about the artist. Sometimes that little plaque that says what it's, what it's made of and what the artist was doing is, you know, it's like, if the piece of art is so communicative that it tells me everything I need to have a conversation about it, great. If there's a bigger story, if, it's, if, if, if that's not the case, but there's a bigger story behind it, Tell me a little bit about that bigger story. And I definitely think that, particularly with abstract art, there's usually a little bit something more to go with it. So another one of the like weird abstract artists that I really like is Jackson Pollock. Why, I, to a lot of people, he just looks like someone randomly splattering paint on a canvas. But I can tell a Jackson, Jackson Pollock painting apart from anyone else splattering paint on a canvas. And that aspect of his work in particular fascinates me. Oh, just, and I, I wouldn't know that if I hadn't at first done an art history class and learned about his process and understanding the fractalization of, of his art. I needed a little bit more information, but then I started to love him. Exactly. And so kind of what I want to wrap up on this and this disappointment of, of a gallery show is that I don't disparage the artists. I think their art was lovely. I disparage the show. Yeah, that's where I was at too. It, that show was an absolute... And the music was... It was exactly the soundtrack that plays in every video game with a nightclub level. That's exactly it. It was It was, It was. was a parody of, of, a night, of, of dance music. 
I, I'm not really a dance music aficionado. I'm much more of a folk punk boy. Yeah, something about it just wasn't... It, it was enough for me to walk intensely to. <laughs> I do love dance music, and I'll tell you, it was... There was not enough of a beat to dance to and not enough of a vibe to vibe to. It was, abs- it was absolutely neither of the things that you can't really... It's too choppy to vibe to and too mellow to dance to. Uh, the, another friend of ours said, like, the, the the third friend that came with us said, like, it kept feeling like the pop diva was going to jump in, but that never happened. The conclusion of this story is we spent about an hour there and then uh, got bored, went home, played some board games, and then our other friend and I just said, hey, you want to go to an actual dance club? And then we did that, and it was a lot more fun. <laughs> <sighs> Glad I left my house. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't. I don't hate that. No, no, that, that was probably the best thing about it was I, I left my house. Uh, how about I do us a wrap-up? Sounds good. You're making an art, and you might want to make it with somebody, somebody else. Make a team-up. Make a collaboration. It's tricky. People are hard. But sometimes it works, and usually it's about making sure that you're, you're all contributing and you're all getting something out of it. So, yeah, whether you're working alone or working with somebody else and you got an idea to draw, draw it. You probably won't die.